So, you know, at this, at this point, we're, you know, we're just starting to, you know, release or, or compile the albums at this point. So after that third session, we were looking at all of the material that we had. And Rob's, you know, it was his, his he took it upon himself to like kind of arrange it. Like I said, you know, doing the sequencing and grouping the songs together to make them kind of, you know, work. We were working on, on Heen, which is the clinket. My understanding is it translates freshwater. And that was in the midst of like when the Dakota Access Pipeline was going on and, you know, that battle was in high mode and, the, you know, there was a lot of thought and discussion, you know, on clean water access in tribal communities, you know, and the risk that, you know, pipelines going underneath a water source, like what, what dangers that could pose to people downstream. And... I think that came out in the music that we were doing that session. We weren't consciously going in like, yeah, let's make a, let's make an album that's going to call out Kelsey Warren and Energy Transfer Partners, and we're going to make it be a theme record. It just so happened that in that batch in the studio that time, there was enough for two albums out of that material. And it just so happened, I think, just the influence of the time and what was happening in Indian country at that point of time that they're just that resulted in there being a lot more a lot of pieces about water because that's what was going on and that ended up where yeah there's there's an album here that's just themed with water and that's what he ended up being So yeah, so that song was actually Bernie came up with that riff. That was one of those songs where I don't think we even decided what we were gonna do. Right, right. And that it was one of those where just like just Randall's just just go out and play something. And then <laughs> and, and uh, the actually a little footnote, not to cut you off, but it was the very last thing that we ever recorded. Oh, was it with Bernie? That was the last, oh. the very last, last track. Stevie started the drum part, and then Bernie came up with that riff, and then we just, without even, I don't even know if we knew what key it was, but somehow we, just, we picked up, you and I picked up the riff, and then it just went from there. Because it changes a little bit, 
mm-hmm. you know, where the riff starts a little bit one way and then it morphs a little bit, like in the timing of it. Yeah. So yeah, that was one of those like totally improvised. And then by the time like the horn players come in, you know, with their overdubs, then it sounds like it was written that way on purpose. The meaning, I've, the meaning of that song and the, the title of it, I think, was um, kind of retrofitted to fit, you know, that the, the theme of the album. We called it, you know, the, the song to the water protectors. It was kind of like anthemic, um, but yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where there was that was like one of the the water themes, and that song definitely felt like water. got wired all crazy so it was like infinite sustain on there on top of going through the tape delay and then like Randall's tweaking with the tape delay on it so the guitar is going all over and ended up sounding like a, a synth but it's actually that dun, dun, dun. that's actually a guitar through an octave fuzz harmonized with like three or four layers of it so we definitely there it, there's parts where what bernie's doing sounds like it's a guitar but it's actually a keyboard and then there's parts where what sounds like a synth is actually the guitar the bass so we definitely got into that that miles davis philosophy of you know you don't want people to know exactly what instrument is is making what sound And the fourth session was after we had already learned about Bernie um, having uh, lung cancer. And, um, and yet, you know, he had moved to, uh, to Washington State and um, 
you know, we were all thinking like, oh, this is going to be great, you know, because, you know, potentially we could play together live more and, and do um, who knows what, 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 what could have happened. But um, uh, and then we learned that Bernie got sick and but Judy's, you know, called me up and said, you know, you know, as, as I was calling and asking about information, you know, about Bernie and. I said, gosh, you know, she goes, well, I just, I'm, I want him to be out there with his friends and I want him to be, you know, a, a, an idle Bernie is, is bad, is bad news. Like, you know, he just, you know, he can't, he can't sit here and dwell on, you know, his condition, what, what he's going through. So I said, well, do you think that he would agree with you and he agree that he could come and do another recording session with us, you know? And um, she said, absolutely. Sometimes he'd be go take a take a nap on the couch, you know, and then he'd wake up like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> he'd pop up and like, "Hey, you ready to, you know, do some tracks?" Meanwhile, we would have been overdubbing something, you know, maybe a percussion or a second guitar part or whatever it was. And so then, um, then he got up, kind of refreshed, and he'd he'd like sit down and and put some more tracks down and stuff, and then. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that six days resulted in two albums worth of material, two uh, uh, triple, two triple LPs. Pretty much most of the Heen album and the most current Wooch album. Yeah, all of that stuff was done. Pretty much the last, uh, that last session, which would have been in the spring of two thousand sixteen. can't breathe no more oil because we can't breathe no more oil the future can't breathe no more oil we can't breathe no more oil future can't breathe no more oil no more oil when i heard the shell decided to cease drilling in the arctic i knew it was not only a decision of a corporation that determined that particular outcome that in fact it was the conscious efforts, the spiritual doings, and focused intentions of many dedicated people that created a healthier reality than was initiated by those profiteers. How powerful it is when we can unite beyond all differences. So that, so that, like I was mentioning earlier, so that, that last session that we did with Bernie, that was when the Dakota Access Pipeline stuff was at its most intense so we were definitely we were having conversations about it when we were in the studio about like oh yeah and see what you know what they're doing out there right now and then bringing the dogs out on people and you know hitting people with the fire hoses and so that was definitely a you know when we were breaking to eat lunch you know that was one of the things that was being discussed that was that was a that was a tense a very tense period of time you know and that might be one of like the most Political, directly political pieces that Bernie 
did in his career. You know, it's like he he definitely he wasn't somebody that shied away from things, but he also, you know, he was more universal in a lot of the stuff that he worked on. I mean, there's definitely moments in his discography where it's very political, like like March to the Witch's Castle back in the Funkadelic days and you know, they're, you know, talking about, you know, soldiers coming back from the Vietnam War and, and whatnot. But um, that record might be like one of the more overtly political records that like as a full as a full album since um, America Eats It's Young back in the Funkadelic days. So. So, yeah. so chaotic live you know with the sound and a lot of those effects are very subtle and they work best in a recording environment where there's a lot of control over their placement in the mix people in the band you, you don't you're as a horn player kind of allocated so much space and time in the performance it's that is not the focus of the band for me you know the the focus is all about you know the good musicians and you know and, and what their message is and and the energy of the show i'm trying to as positive as possible to that and be submissive to that whole, uh, the arc of that whole story. story. One of the goals of Kuik is that the albums are going to reflect what's happening in Indian country and in tribal communities at that point in time. That they're not just records for the sake of being records, that they're you know, like in 30 years, you know, they're kind of a time capsule that, you know, our kids or grandkids generation, they can look back at this record and be like, so what was it like, you know, in this span of time, you know, in Indian country, what was going on? And you could open up the record and put the record on and there's you know, history of what's going on right now, like in, in each album has has that. If my grandparents or my parents or my great grandparents, if they had all seen this, if they could hear this, they would just laugh. There are some that might, 
you know, depends on their character, might be a little stick in the muds. But most of them, I believe, would just go, oh, what is that? My father, I know, would just love it. Of course, he, was, he loved to dance, he loved to sing. Same with my mother, my grandparents. I mean, at first it would be hard for them to really grasp the beat. That beat is very tribal, no matter what, no matter what background it comes from. It's very rooted in, in the tribal way of thinking and being. So it works. And that's what's so exciting about this. I see this, uh, the, the style, as a way of keeping the songs alive, but also inspiring the younger generation, our generation, and the young, younger generation to think outside of the box, that to think in terms of harmony, to think in terms of, you know, harmonizing with the voices, to think in terms of storytelling with, with music in the background. You know, we used to do that. We used to perform with the music. You'd have the visual, and then you'd, you'd have the music and all of that, and, that, and the dance. It's just, it's just that it's the same thing, really, except it's just slightly different. She rises early before the dawn showers and eats quickly. Coffee tastes good this morning. She brings out the vest, white shirt, and dark slacks. The navy cap fits loosely today. Combing her hair, she looks in the mirror one last time. Time to go. She checks the children one more time. The children. The children. They'll be all right. These little eagles. They'll be all right. She finishes the last of the coffee while quietly washing. Washing it in the sink. The kitchen seems especially quiet now. Time to go. It's time to go. She chooses her finest coat, lightly brushing it off. Check it. To see if anything's left in the pockets. Checks her shoes one last time, quietly closing the door, locking it just so. Walking quietly down the stairs, time to go. It's time to go. Forty days pass so quickly. Hardly seems like yesterday. So much to see and so much to do. Now, it's time to go. 
time to go visit the grandparents and all the ancient ancestors. She can't wait to tell the stories of all her children. Slightly different beat, different instruments, additional instruments is what it is here. And these guys are having a great time. And I think it's really important to have that cross-cultural exchange. Because these guys get to be exposed to a little bit of, you know, the Northwest Coast style drum and music and way of dance and being. And we get to be exposed to incorporating you know, a different sound, a different, you know, additional beats and all this other stuff. And I think it's, it's inspiring. It, it cannot help but be inspiring to all the, you know, the next generations of, of kids and, and human beings, no matter what culture they come from. Writing new, uh, new songs is a goal of ours because you know there's so much about like the tradition and the stories like I, I have a, a really big question like um, you know the stories of Raven you know which is really well known Raven stole the sun and, and he did you know set order to the world you know based on his actions and the things that he did um, but at some point you know Raven just stopped doing things did he? I mean, so, I mean, we. when is the next story of Raven going to be allowed into the, the annals of history? You know, like you said, Raven still continued on. I um, have been telling a story about how Raven stole all the words. Raven stole all the words, you know, and uh, how the people would just chatter, talk, 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 chatter, chatter, chatter driving Reagan nuts. They had no purpose in what they were talking about. They're just throwing words out. They're floating in the trees and, the, and the, um, they're all scattered on the ground and, and they're in the water. And uh, when everyone went to sleep, Raven grabbed a big bag, grabbed all these words and put them in the bag. And when people woke up, they couldn't have no words. And so they had to learn how to speak or how to speak without words and be with each other and listen. So this is a, a recent story I, I, just, I just wrote. And um, and I've been telling that, and people have been picking it up and passing it on. You know, and for instance, like the story uh, I tell about how um, about rabbit. Many people are taking the story about I, I've taken. I, I learned from a Laguna Pueblo elder down there. He gave it to me to tell. I've been telling this, this story, and I asked him, "Can I pass it on?" And he said, "Yes, he wants that story passed on." So other people, other tribes, have been taking that story. The Pacific Northwest, and they what they're doing is they're using, they're making it their own. Some of them are using their their own animals in this area, telling it in their own style. I actually, you know, amongst the native people, we will trade stories sometimes. So I traded a story with that story of the rabbit with a, another storyteller from Oklahoma, and she passed on a, a coyote story to me, you know, as, as a you know uh, trade in those stories. So oftentimes it's like okay. Um, we have to bring some of those traditional ways of trade stories and seeing the value of the stories and passing them on and keep them away from that way, but also to retell these new, new stories. And this is the story of Raven and how he 
learned Even if you don't have much to give You still give a little bit And that little bit is gonna be a whole lot To somebody who needs it more than you do And that's that story That beautiful story that reminds us Give In the spirit of giving Your wealth is measured By how much you give Not by how much you have here on this coast, Raven, Raven taught us that. Yeah, way, yeah, way, yeah, way. Gene is of the mind that, like, um, if if we don't sing these songs, then they're no one's gonna know them they're going to disappear. So there's so many different ways of looking at it. And, and he's comfortable with the idea that, you know, spiritually he knows which, which songs he can, he can sing. And then there's plenty of people out there that would like to sort of, you know, tear out, you know, pull the chair out from under him and say, oh, that's not, you know, that's not protocol, that's not tradition. But it's, it, it's, it varies. You know, even within the same tribe or the same community, you know, what's traditional to one family is going to be different to another family. You know, it's like even within tribal communities, there's not one set, one set way. Um, for instance, like that story about how Raven stole all the words. Um, I tell it in a traditional form, but who's, who's to say that that story wasn't already out there? that maybe it was forgotten somehow, some way. And that there's those individuals who just tap into that vibration that's out there, that presence of ancestral spirit, whatever, you know, or we listen. And then um, we retell that story that's already been there, that's been waiting to be told that it was forgotten. And who's, who's to say that, like, with the, with Kuik and the sounds and the vibrations and, and the music that's, that's, that's being played that isn't already out there, that was, you know, that's, that's there, and then just each member of, of the group were just picking it up, tapping into that. You know, I know that's what Bernie did. I know that's what Clarissa did. A lot of the stuff was already there, but they were able just to tap into it and... and, and and retell it or use it in their way because they listened. So how are we going to listen nowadays? What's our listening and how are we going to pass this, this on? And are we willing to have the courage to bring it out, to tell it?
while she's walking through the clouds with her circus mind is running wild butterflies and zebras and moonbeams and fairy tales that's all she ever thinks about now your story your life is a story you're a storyteller our ancestors were telling our stories long before we were born into this world they told stories about those who were born amongst the stars, sailing across the Milky Way, surfing on the waves of the auroras, and painting the galaxy with color and detail. Now, Nikki was one of those star children. On the 24th of November, 1956, Nikki came into this world. Now the doctors and nurses knew that she was special. When the afterbirth came, it was painted with hummingbirds, sunflowers, and music. And she was dancing. From the start, she was dancing. Dancing. Now who was Nikki? Nikki was an artist. As a child, she was never without her art. She drew, she painted, and she created. She saw the beauty in the most unusual places. She collected tiny bones of small birds, and they spoke to her, told her their story. They posed for her, and she painted them. Her paintings of them came alive. And she heard music. When she heard music, she danced everywhere. She would go, she danced. As a child, she would get up off the school bus and dance her way home. She would stand in an open field and dance. She would stand under the nighttime sky and dance with the stars. She imagined herself dancing on mountaintops. She imagined dancing with the deer in the grassy fields. She imagined dancing with the currents of the rivers. She danced with the dragonflies and the crickets. She danced everywhere, everywhere, anywhere. She danced. Nikki grew and art grew. She was beautiful. Beautiful Indian woman. Grovan, Cinnaboy, Italian, dark hair, dark eyes, an old soul. She loved antiques, special clothing. She would buy lingerie, not to wear them, but to hang them in the room. She thought they were beautiful. As an adult, her spirit grew. And as her spirit grew, she got into trouble. You see, when you see everything, the beauty, the colors, the details, you see everything, the light, the darkness, everything, the love, the pain, everything, the monsters, the monsters, the monsters, everything. 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 Nikki ended up on the streets. Sometimes we'd look for her. Wandering up and down the streets. The darkness. The monsters. 
ashes and spread them in Paris at the Louvre with all the other great artists. And when I'm sad, she comes to me with a thousand smiles she gives me. It's all right, she says. It's all right. It's all right. Riding in the wind. Riding in the wind. Riding in the wind. Before the uh, Western civilization came to North America, you know, then, and we were disallowed our, you know, customs and culture and all, you know, practicing the culture, um, there would have been more stories, they would have just kept coming, you know, and more songs and more dances. And it, But now it feels as though, well, this is a traditional song or a dance that comes from way back you know since time immemorial as they like to say um, nobody knows how old it is but yet um, so there is a push to write new songs and perform new dances there there but the stories are one thing that is kind of a holdout like well those are these are the traditional stories you know and so if you don't continue to create tradition, then it's going to die off, you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a catch-22 there. And we've been fortunate, you know, we've had good traditional writers, you know, composers in the group. You know, it's like Gene, Gene's great at writing contemporary songs. Saunders great at writing contemporary songs. So, um yeah, it definitely when we when we made that shift over to 
you know, contemporary traditional style, you know, songs. It's like we definitely haven't had a shortage of, of new material. Preston, that one was a Preston one. Yeah, that, I think that was just a, you know, uh, again, just a riff that uh, hoping to get, you know, more of that style into the group, into the repertoire of the group. And um, yeah, that turned out to be a crazy Moog fest on that one too. Yeah. I, I mean, the bass Some on that was that was a great bass line, man. That was like like Axiom era Bootsy. Yeah. <laughs> on that one. So no, that's one of yeah. one of my your fa- my favorite bass lines of yours is that one. That was a cool, cool riff. <laughs> Again, the, the title was one that you, you titled it after the fact. And I yeah, because I think because the, it, the working title was Captain, was like Captain Hook or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then by the time we got to the end of it, we were like, oh, yeah, didn't Captain Cook, didn't he didn't he mess with you guys up in Clinkett Country? Yeah, he did. <laughs> then be like, hey, remember when the Hawaiians caught him? <laughs> and then we're like, oh, yeah. And then it's actually kind of a reference to Jim Pepper, who's like one of the most influential like native musicians of, of our time. He's a Muskogee and Ka sax player who really set within native musician circles he's like he's the guy he's like the most probably the most influential in terms of being just like a groundbreaking sax player but also merging traditional native music with with jazz and with funk and he has a song called called custard gets it so that was kind of also a nod to jim pepper really yeah yeah but instead of like custard getting it it's Captain Cook getting it.
phaser is broken, so there's a funny story with this one. So, this was one of... Uh, we wrote this... I don't know if I wrote the riff or if you wrote it. No, that was one of your riffs, because it okay. was really slowed down, remember? It was like... Yeah. Dodo. Most of our recording is done over at Avast, which is a studio run by by, by the great Stu um, over by Green Lake. And they have like a really cool collection of like really old pedals. So there's, they have a couple like Neutron envelope filters and Neutron phasers. And I was always bogarting the, the Neutron phaser. So on this one, Randall was like, all right, you've had that one enough, let Bernie use it. So we rigged it up to the Wurlitzer that Bernie was on. And if you ever watched Bernie play, he was a very physical player. When you would interact with him, he was not like a scary guy. But when he played, like there's definitely times where he was he was playing like a boxer or a football player. And so we had the the old, like the original 70s Mutron, not like the, the remake ones. <laughs> and it was sitting on top of the Wurlitzer. And he just like slams into a note, and this is on a different song. It wasn't on this one. He slams himself into the note so hard that it jarred the Wurlitzer. And we're just sitting here playing, and we just see the the phaser just go flying off of the Wurlitzer, flying across. And it's a hard floor, and just hits the floor, just like, and you hear like parts disconnecting inside of it. And we're like, oh man. So the next song we did after that was The Phaser is Broken. It's like, what should we call it? It's like, <laughs> The Phaser is Broken. So there was no phaser on The Phaser is Broken because The Phaser was broken. one of those songs where I'm actually not on the final mix of it. Yeah, it, it sounded was, better. It, it was, didn't need the guitar. Yeah, it had it so really much other that. stuff going on and it's yeah. like, okay, one of those lessons and just let it go for the, the good of the song. It didn't need guitar because it, it had so much other stuff going. Yeah, now every time I, I think of phasers, I always remember just the vision of that neutron phaser flying, <laughs> flying through the air, and everyone just like, oh, that's not going to go well when it lands. <laughs> <laughs> 